Discussions in this show should not be construed as recommendations or specific investment advice. Always consult with your investment, tax, or estate planning professional before making important decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Heritage Financial Strategies, taxes by HFS, legal by HFS, and mindful money are not affiliated. Welcome back to We Make Money Fun. I am your host, Shanna Tingem, and today we are doing our third Thursday segment with two fantastic members of the Heritage Financial Strategies team. Melissa Horn is one of our financial coaches. Welcome in, Melissa. Thanks. Good to be here. And Alden Rowe is another one of our fabulous financial planners. Alden, welcome in to you too. Thank you, Shanna. Happy to be here. (laughs) Well, we're so excited to talk about this topic today because Last week, I read a fantastic article on savings.com that sort of simultaneously freaked me out and made me mad. Um, (laughs) And so I decided I wanted to put a live podcast and broadcast together with this subject. If you're watching and you have any questions for us, feel free to chat those to us and we'll try to answer those live in the chat during the live broadcast. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, At the end of the podcast, we'll share with you how to get in touch with us so that we can answer any of your questions. But we'll also link this article in the show notes. But this article really blew me away. And it basically said that half of parents with a child age 18 or over provide them at least some financial support. 45% of adult children are provided financial support by their parents. And half of American parents continue to support them financially after they graduate from college, more than $1,400 a month in support for these fully capable, fully able to work adults. These are not disabled or disadvantaged adults in any way. These are adults that are fully capable of working and supporting themselves are 45% of the time being supported by their parents today. And that's about 4.3 million adults that are being given voluntary financial support up to the year 2000. So this really blows my mind a little bit, made me mad, all of the things. But first, before we start talking to Alden and Melissa, I wanted to define what support meant. So we're talking about things like groceries, cell phone bills, rent or mortgage payments. Those are the most common. 21% of parents still pay their children's student loan payments. And a large chunk, 40% pay their kids college tuition. And those last two things, if you can do them and it doesn't impact your long-term financial security, I say, great, no problem there. But when you start helping with things like vacations, cars, credit card payments, investment accounts for your grown kids, that's where I've got a problem. Melissa, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. From a financial coaching perspective and also a personal perspective, because I know you've got kids that are in these generations, what are you thinking? To be honest, when I read the article, I felt like I needed a glass of wine. I have three (laughs) millennials and I'm like, you know what? It really was a time of reflection for me because certainly me and dad have helped our three grown daughters in some capacity. So we're in that 45% of parents of adult children providing financial support, certainly not to the tune of $1,400 a month though. 
Yeah, for sure. Even near that. So I was a little shocked at the statistics, certainly. The other statistic that I was shocked at is one in three parents who are retired are supporting their children. And that kind of resonated with me because we are, me and dad are closer to retirement, right? Right. And there's no way that we could support our children and retire. So it was an interesting article. And being a Gen X parent, what really may reflect and say, man, I feel like we kind of missed the mark here in some way, you know, compared to (laughs) my parents' generation. So lots of thoughts and feelings that really resonated as I read through this. this Yeah. Well, and you made a good point that I didn't make earlier. And when you look at the demographics here, it is mostly millennials that are the ones receiving the support. And there's a lot of chatter out there about, you know, those darn millennials. And it's mainly the Gen X parents that are put in the position of giving the support. That is a generalization, but looking at the statistics in the article, it's true. So I'm going to throw this question to Alden because you are much younger than the two of us and firmly in some of those younger demographics. When you look at this with the folks that are your age or maybe even a little bit older than you are, where the heck did we go wrong to Melissa's point? What are your thoughts? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question, Shanna. And definitely something I think about a lot. So I've got a daughter who's almost two, but a month and a half away. And, you know, I kind of look at my peers and other young people and, you know, kind of see, okay, what are they doing? What do their parents do? What is my daughter's future going to look like? And I think a lot of it kind of comes down to a generational shift that we kind of see a little bit with every generation of their paideia. And paideia is a word which means both at an individual and a collective level, what does our internalized vision for a good life look like? One of the big ideas and investments is the idea of compounding interest. And you can kind of translate that to momentum, which I think is very important. And if you have a clear vision for what you want in life, and you understand the power of building momentum towards that vision, I think Mm -hmm. that can get people out of a lot of these situations. Yeah. One of the things I think has happened to a lot of millennials because they have seen a lot of big changes, both in the way the economy is and the way the government handles situations, is that you'd have a vision and then something kind of changes, like Mm -hmm. 9-11 or like big housing crash of 2008 that kind of says, oh, that vision isn't possible anymore. And all of a sudden, Mm. you're kind of all that momentum you're building towards that vision had to get reshifted. And that kind of Mm. keeps happening, not necessarily as an excuse, but as an opportunity for young parents to really be mindful of the vision that your child is developing for their own future through your family's culture and traditions. Wow, that's a really good point. And you brought up a couple of things that I want to dive a little bit deeper on. So our millennial generation came out of college right around 2000 which was the tech wreck, as we say in the industry, the the technology.com bubble. And then they rolled right into the global financial crisis in 2008. And they lived with computers and technology and social media and things in a way that Melissa and I didn't in our generation. Mm -hmm. So it was much more prevalent. The feeling was much different, I think, than there was a 24-hour news cycle and the internet was just becoming a thing. And here they are as adults trying to figure out how to make their own way. And do you think, Alden, that it was a a little bit of that paideia coming into play, seeing all of these things go down and then kind of throwing their hands up and going, well, I can never have it as good as my parents had it? 
I definitely think a lot of people have absolutely gone through that paradigm shift of what they want in the future. I think the other part of it is kind of the cultural shift of what is that path to success in life look like? Mm -hmm. And we really do push as society college as the next step after Mm -hmm. high school. And the challenge with college is that it's a really expensive way to figure out what you want to do with your life. (laughs) It's a really expensive way to figure out what you want to do with your life. If you go into that situation with a very clear path and you're using that time in college to build momentum towards that future vision that's clear and that's correct, it yeah. can be a huge boon. And it's absolutely the right decision. But yeah. if you kind of go into college saying, I really know what I want to do. And you spend a year or two trying to figure out what you want to do, trying different things. And then you pick your career path. You're going to be in college for five, six years, potentially, before you have a degree. Yeah. Yep. And the big thing you lose through college isn't just the cost of college, but it's the lost time and the lost momentum going towards a goal that is going to allow you to be financially self-sufficient. And I think that opportunity cost is really big. And a lot of people don't realize, and I've seen guys I knew in high school who started a lawn mowing business. Next thing you know, I'm in year two of college and they've got three employees. Next thing you know, I'm graduating and they've got a dozen trucks. And you can tell that they're doing super well living one of the biggest houses in the whole town, little town in Iowa, just because they capitalized on that momentum. Uh, They had a vision, they knew what they wanted, and they spent that time building that rather than stalling their vision while simultaneously taking on debt. And so the momentum that you should have when you're 24, 25, 26, all of a sudden is going to be that of an 18 year old. Right. And you're just, you're going to be behind unless you have a path clearly defined where you can capitalize on that educational momentum. But if you look at the statistics, the number of people who graduate from college and work in the same field is not most people. It's very uncommon. And I think it just kind of reinforces that point of that is lost momentum. And a lot of that really comes from that vision not being clear. And their vision for what they want to get out of their life, something that they need to figure out. And with the way things are, and with it's easier if you do have that vision to build momentum, you're further behind compared to your peers who have capitalized on it than I think it happened in the past. Kind of the barrier to entry to buy a house is harder than it's ever been before. And then there's also the other piece of student loans and that debt you incur in college can set back other important milestones for what you want to do, like having a family. I know that for my own family, we probably delayed it three or four years from where we ultimately would have liked to because of that debt. So it definitely made that harder, even though I'm one of the fortunate people to work in a field that I studied for. Even with that, it still delayed that milestone in my life trajectory that I had wanted. Yeah. Well, there's some good points there. And I want to circle back to a few of them. It is true that everything costs more now, right? That's called inflation. We deal with it every day, right? And I was one of those kids that went to college thinking that I wanted to do something and then three or four months in realized that there's no way that's what I want to do. So it took me a few years and getting out of traditional college and working full time and then going back to a night school program. And, you know, my 20s were me trying to figure out who I wanted to be. And I know, Melissa, you had a similar experience with your daughter of really not knowing what she wanted to do and bouncing around a little bit. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we make as a society. No 18-year-old kid knows what they want to do for the rest of their life. It's very unrealistic. It's totally unrealistic to expect that. Yeah, it really is. To make an additional comment here, something Alden said, creating a vision of what they want to create for themselves, talking about our children. 
I have to stop and think, my goodness, is my generation of parents, they're overcompensating and coddling these children to say, oh, my God, I want you to have everything I didn't have. So I have to step back and think, is that mindset that we have not allowing these kids to create their vision? Many of them have been taught how to do that or really how to reflect inward. Yeah, absolutely not. So let's blow that out a little bit. That's why we have a generation. I have three of them. I know a generation of children that are millennials that suffer from severe anxiety and are in therapy. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to look at generationally that has to play into this. So I think this is so much bigger than parents contributing $1,400 a month. I think you really need to do a deep dive and look back at what I did because of what my dad did and what that mindset was. So it's interesting. I think another big factor where for a lot of Gen Xers and even the baby boomers, a lot of their vision that they're going to see what a good life looked like was based off their communities, people around them, mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. where they physically spent their time and where their eyeballs yes. were, the direction their eyeballs were in, right? And as our eyeballs move from our community to our screen, all of a sudden, a big part of that wow. vision is cultivated by the media that we choose to take in. Yeah. And if you look at the social media and the psychology behind a lot of that, I think it starts to answer some of the questions, especially because the things that tend to be shared and the things that get pushed to us are things that or encourage for people to engage with. And mm. nothing makes you want to engage with it like something that pisses you off, right? If you see <laughs> some article or some video and it just pushes that button of that pet right. key, that kind of inward desire that's maybe we don't even know about and just makes you mad, you're going to engage with that content. So if we're right. kind of having content and media fed to us that is designed to give us kind of more visceral extreme reaction and kind of push us to our limits where things that we're comfortable about, you can see how it can be difficult to see things around you that you think, I want to emulate that. You know, I see that person who's really happy Mm -hmm. and they seem very fulfilled. What can I do to emulate that person's life? What types of key decisions that they make that led them to be there? And the number of examples we have that we're engaging with are just less. There's less. As a millennial, you have to be extremely intentional to make up for that. And if it's something that's not talked about and we're not exposed to those ideas, it's going to be less and less people who are filling in the gap that has sort of filled itself by social media. Yeah, well, that's a really good point, too. That's how this podcast happened, right? I read an article and I got ticked off. And so, I mean, I think that that there's something to be said for that. And the media never stops coming at us now. We have multiple social media platforms with new ones being added every day. We have YouTube and streaming on our TV and on our phones and on our watches even in ways that we didn't have when we were that age trying to figure out who we wanted to be. And I think that it does a little bit, you'd think looking at it, stepping back with what we do for a living and what we do for our families that we serve here at Heritage, that it would at some point, normalize and the kids would figure it out. But if you look at the statistics, 40% of the kids that are receiving support are over the age of 30. Which is over the age of 30. Unbelievable. (laughs) You know, and it goes back generationally, right? I would have never dreamed of asking my dad when I left home at 18, hey, Mm -hmm. Dad, by the way, can you pay my cell phone bill and my car insurance? And hey, 
I need a little help with like what has happened over the generations, like to Alden's point when this is a whole nother topic for another show. But so I have grandchildren. Yes. And social media and those grandchildren. And that's oh. a whole nother topic of conversation. But and then you've got to wonder, I'm sure, Melissa, you think about this with how the kids are. How are the grandkids going to turn out? <laughs> that's, why, that's why I get no sleep, Shannon. That's why I lay awake. Like, as a grandparent, should I really be spoiling them? Should I really be doing all of these things right? I know. It's a lot. And the thing is that unless you're the government, we all have a finite amount of money. Money doesn't just grow on trees, as my parents used to say. So when you're talking about parents that are supporting kids at this level, they are doing it most of the time to their own detriment, unless they're independently wealthy. And so we see the results of that, Alden and I do here at Heritage, when a 50 or 60 or God forbid, 70 year old client comes in and is afraid for their future. And we see the the impact of that. And when you look at the statistics, 58% of parents are willing to cut their own budget to support their parent, to support their children. And 44% of them are willing to pull money from their savings and or retirement accounts to support their grown but children. And that's not the word I wanted to use, but I'm trying to be PG-13 here. And what that does is it creates a snowball effect. I know both have flown and when they do the safety briefing, they tell you to secure your own oxygen mask before helping other people. That's not happening here. They are securing their kids' oxygen mask first. And then when the plane crashes, they're drowning. It's scary. Well, it is scary. And just to play on that, so three children, girls, now this was about 10 years ago. So over a three-year period, all three of them, boomerang, came back, each stayed about a year. I can't say on this podcast when I said when the last one went, let me tell you what we learned. We learned with the second one, actually. We didn't have to worry about really the third one. That was a different circumstance. But when you have parents that whatever it is, overcompensate, give, give, give. And especially if the children live in the home, when you do not set expectations of a specific Mm. time frame or dollar amount, that leads to mental health crisis with these children. And for everybody, it really impacts mental health. So with kid number two, that boomerang, we actually had her to sign a contract. We thought, this is fantastic. We're going to have no problems. Well, I think she didn't think mom and dad would de- actually deliver on the contract was the issue, right? <laughs> right. So I'm not sure that's the answer either. So, <laughs> <laughs> But you made a really good point that I want to make sure doesn't get lost here. There's a mental health component of this for the kids, yes. but there's also the stress and the mental health component for you because you're thinking about all the money that you're spending taking care of these kids And it probably put some pressure on you guys worrying about your own retirement. It did. I literally, as a financial coach this morning, I had shared this with you earlier, Shanna, um, was on a call with a 21-year-old kid, beautiful young lady who's wanting to transition from home. And we talked about the mental health aspect for her and her parents as an adult living in the home. So it's a thing. It's definitely a crisis and thing that's going on in families today. Yeah, without a doubt. I definitely want to add to this, though. And if I've learned anything from all of the financial plans I've been honored to be a part of, it's that everyone's always making the best decisions that they can with the information that they have. Everyone's always doing it. I think the big challenge is that 
there's kind of a big gap between the information that we've been exposed to and really what's going to be the best path and how do we Mm. look at things in a way that's going to be really objective and really accurate and lead us towards the result that we want. And I think that is the benefit of working, you know, with a company like ours or another one is we can just help you understand your options. And we've gotten to see what works and what hasn't worked. Another resource on this is there's a book by Dr. Mark McConville. It's called um, Failure to Launch. Failure to Launch, yeah. He talks about this and there are kind of three big milestones that he outlines as here's what a successful transition from adolescence to adulthood looks like. One of them is taking on your own financial responsibility, which is really what we've been focusing on today. Another one is being able to hold a job. And the third one is also being able to have an adult relationship. And I think from what I can remember in the book, he talks about one of the first things is similar, Melissa, to what you said, which is sitting down Mm -hmm. and starting to give those financial responsibilities they're taking on your child's behalf and start to give that back to them. Mm-hmm. Even if you can afford it, it's still something you want to start doing, whether it's just them start to, they start taking over their own cell phone bill, car insurance, rent, and you kind of start to set dates for them taking on more and more until mm-hmm. they do have to start contributing for their own finances with the eventual goal that they're taking over all of them. So if they mm-hmm. are living at home, it's not a bad idea to have your child pay rent. It does not have to be fair market value but just enough so that they have that habit of knowing I'm responsible for this. There's also something else I think that a lot of millennials struggle with, where if they're in a job that they don't like, they think, oh, it's bad to be in this job because I'm not having fun. But I can tell you from personal experience, having worked in factories before, that there is nothing as motivating as a job you hate. If you're in a job (laughs) and you've got to spend six, eight, 10 hours a day that you do not like, and it's very hard, that's a very motivating space to be in where you can have a lot of growth. And it's okay to be in a job that you don't like, especially if you're using that as fuel to then form that vision and start building momentum towards it. Yeah, I love that. I'm probably going to attribute this quote wrong, but I think it was Thomas Jefferson that said, there's a great place to go when you're broke to work. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Dave Ramsey quotes that all the time on the show. So I'm probably wrong on who said it, but The thing that I have to remind myself as a employer is that I am there to teach and mentor and coach. I'm not somebody's safe space. That's not my job. And as planners, we are to a certain extent our client's safe space, but our job also is to a little bit challenge these paradigms Mm -hmm. that we're talking about. And the same with you, Melissa, our coaching, planning, we aren't there to tell them what they want to hear. Absolutely. We are there to tell them what they need to hear. And sometimes what they need to hear is they need to stop contributing and helping because one of the other statistics that sort of blew me away was that parents who are 10 years or less away from retirement contribute the most up to 2,100 monthly. But these same parents are only putting $643 into their own retirement accounts each month. Mm -hmm. That is not a recipe for success unless you're independently wealthy and have other money that can support you in your retirement. So Alden started to share a little bit about what we can do to help. We are running out of time on the podcast and on the broadcast. So if I haven't been able to answer your questions in the chat, I invite you to go to our website, which is heritagefinancialaz.com and click schedule a consultation. That'll take you directly to our calendars. 
and you'll be able to schedule time with Melissa or Alden or myself to help unwind some of these really tricky situations. Guys, thank you so much for being on the broadcast with me today. Thanks. We enjoyed it. Thank you, Shanna. You bet. Have a great day, everybody. 